earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Welcome to the Uncommon Communicator Podcast. Your hosts, James Gable and Brandon Thompson, are here to bring you enlightenment to the topic of communication. Good afternoon, Brandon. Yeah, officially good afternoon, James. Yeah, we started in the morning. Yeah, we haven't been at this for a while. <laughs> it's fine. We do what we got to do around here to make communication happen effectively. Yes, and what else do we do? We don't make any of this up on the fly at all. No. No. Yeah. Never. <laughs> Just ruined it. See, so, yeah, you're right. You're supposed to say, yes, Brandon. And we would, uh, I was like, and we would also always have a fantastic script at all times. And I would say, yes, James, I'm reading from it right now. Yes. And I would say that I agree with everything that you're saying, but that would not be true either. Well, now the scene just kind of ended and we don't really have anywhere to go, do we? Oh, yeah. This is harder than it looks. You got, you got, you killed it with a no. This is harder than it looks. It, it really is. It's, it seems like such a simple concept, and it's just not as easy as and it I, sounds. So we're here to talk about the concept of yes and. And or improvisation, which is very much yes and. Yeah, and this but, is a method of – it's an improvisational technique developed by Second City. Second City is in Chicago. I was like, the Second City is the city after the first city. Which is New York, apparently. Cool. I don't so, know. <laughs> We have no idea. But the idea is the idea of improv. The yes and is how to continue conversations. You've done some improvisation through high school, right? In college yeah. a little bit? No. Just in high school? My, my acting career ended in high school. I figured out real quick that I was not an actor. <laughs> uh, or are you? I, hmm. you're right, is it every right. day or are you just living out? I'm just yeah, I'm just living out somebody else's fantasy. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Fantasy. Someone someone wrote the script for me, and all I'm doing is just pretending to be Brandon G. Thompson. But the idea of yes and has kind of popped up over a couple of different ideas. One, I was sitting in you know an after party, we call them after a live stream, and Mr. Adam Hoot, shout out to him, kind of walked the group through a yes and exercise, starting with no, mm-hmm. and we went through a conversation, then it went to but, and then it goes to yes and. And that concept also carried over to a book that I was reading that is called Ditch the Pitch. Mm-hmm. And the idea is don't go in with your elevator pitch to go do sales, be able to improvise a little bit. And he went back to the second city idea as well, too. So all of these things kind of brewing out there with the idea that it's not just about scripted stuff, but it's actually harder than it looks because it's a different mindset than we're used to. We're, we're used to saying no. We Like we want to give our opinion and say no. No, that's not how it goes. And that is, isn't how you continue conversations. It's not how you develop relationships. So there's a lot of stuff that's involved with it. But also, I think one of the things that was surprisingly uh, developed through it is the idea of trust. And so we're going to talk about some of those things. But you had experience specifically doing this type of exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Improvisation. Yeah, no. So yeah, uh, I was on the improv team in high school. To, to be clear, I was on the B team in high school. I did not make the A improv team. I made the B improv team, which is fine. Um, but so there, there's a lot that can, right, there's a lot that can be learned from just theater performance and improv, kind of in general. Uh, we've already talked about how role playing and stuff like that helps build a workplace, right? Where you kind of run through things and stuff like that. And what it, what what is role play if not we like role play with your coworkers to run through situations is definitely improv to a degree. Right. And we've already established that that does help. Um, and 
to, to talk about improv from a creativity standpoint and from a cohesive standpoint. So for those of you that don't know, if you've never watched Two's Line, is it that way? Highly recommend it. I'm sure I think it's on Netflix or something along those lines. Um, but what improv is on theater is it, you have, they call them games or they have sketches, right? So you get up there and there's certain ones where it's, this is going to be, you need to find a resolution in 60 seconds. There's, uh, one of my favorite games was there's five, uh, actors or improvists on stage and those five actors act out a scene for just two minutes. Then the audience votes one person off the island, right? So one person leaves. Now those four people have to act out the same scene with the same five characters saying roughly the same thing, but there's only four of them. Then they vote somebody else off. So then it gets down to three, two, and eventually one. And watching one person run around the stage trying to remember all the darn lines is just great. <laughs> and to do it in a faster, fa- you know, and then it obviously gets shorter, shorter, faster, faster. Um, so how, like, you know, how, how does voting somebody off an island and making one person reenact the whole thing? How, how does that help in like a construction area or like anything like that? Right. Um, it, it's a cohesiveness. So you get up there with somebody that you're working with, right? So you have your coworkers, an improv person has their co-star and you don't know what's going to happen, right? You just, you really, really don't. They're going to say something and you, you've worked on it. You've worked with this person, like, like just like on a job site, right? Like you've rehired people or you've hired people for different jobs. Correct, James? That's correct. Right. All right. And, and you're like, well, yeah, you did this carpentry job for me. So I think you can do this carpentry job for me. Right. Yes. All right, cool. Yeah. So similar things happen. So you obviously practice and you rehearse, but like someone's going to shout something out and that's going to be different from what you rehearsed. And it's going to be something entirely different from what you rehearsed, but it's in the, like the same, the same kind of realm, right? So you get up there with the person and you work with the individual to get all the way through this. And that's kind of the trademarks that we want to try and take from improvisation to the workplace improvisation kind of style. Yeah. And I think you can take it not only just workplace, but in life in general, because there's a certain level of positivity that goes along with this. And then also surprisingly, I mentioned that it builds trust because you are kind of relying upon each other when Mm -hmm. you're in that relationship of doing that improv, but it also builds your listening skills because one thing they found when they were, recording or listening to people that were doing this improv is they didn't interrupt each other. No. And that's, that, 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 sorry to interrupt you. No, they did not <laughs> completely. Um, nice. I paused for a minute though. Yeah, you did good. Right. So you have to, they can't interrupt. And the, the point behind it is yes. And right. So two people standing on stage, bickering at each other gets nowhere. There's no story. There's no plot. It's just two people like maybe hurling insults at each other. And you can get like a one liner, right. Where you can say something when the audience goes, Oh, <laughs> And then that's your one reaction. And then trying to top it just doesn't work. It, the, the scene goes nowhere. So the point is to say yes and. Um, so apply that to like your job, right? Apply that to your relationships and your, your working environment where someone comes to you with a different idea. And rather than say, no, that's not my idea. We're not going to do that. Say yes. And we're going to also try to do this, right? Or be like, let's take half of this and let's do it. The, the goal is to get you to say yes to something because if nothing else, that opens a dialogue between you and the other person. And then when dialogue is open and created, especially in a working environment, innovation happens. And when innovation happens, good things tend to happen. Like I can't, I can't say that innovation is always spectacular, but good things tend to happen when you innovate with the person that you're supposed to be working well, with. Well, nobody wants the opposite of innovate. So uh, it, good things will always happen, I think, when you're talking about innovation and that whole idea. But to... To what you were talking about, 
those conversations that we are talking about, you know, just saying yes and even in a regular conversation work or wherever, you're listening enough to find something within that person to say yes. Mm-hmm. You're, and you don't want to do it. You're not lying to them. You're not. So that's part of where I think this becomes difficult is you could easily just copy the words. Yes. And, mm-hmm. but the idea is I'm listening to what you're saying. Yes. Almost I acknowledge you. Yes. I acknowledge what you're saying. You can use words that are in there that still continue that conversation instead of saying, you know, just an absolute no. Yeah. Um, and so just to we to continue with the innovation with style. So obviously this is a bit of a performance aspect. So there's movies that have been mostly improv. Uh, recently, Thor Ragnarok, apparently Taika Waititi, uh, had most of those lines improv. But I figured I'd look back at history and I'd just come up with some. There, there's a list of like the top 15 movies that are mostly improv or whatever. Um, some big name hits, Dumb and Dumber, you know, bit of an obvious one there. Uh, the Blair Witch Project, the famous found footage horror movie, same kind of a deal, mostly improv with the lines, and they weren't exactly sure what was going on the whole time. You know, it's like, this is the scene where this happens, and make it work. Um, to And it, to continue on, we have Anchorman, so another, like a Paul Rudd movie, right? Paul Rudd, Will Ferrell, Steve Carell. Uh, same thing with the 40-year-old version. Again, Paul Rudd and Steve Carell, they work very well. Right? That's that working relationship where clearly Paul Rudd and Steve Carell like, have some kind of a chemistry so they can get on set yep. and they can riff and they can work this out. Well, they built trust with they, each other doing it. Right? They built trust to get there. Um, Iron Man is a, another example where the script was not very well fleshed out. And John Favreau, the director, definitely got on stage and was like, look, we're going to let RDJ do his thing. And I need the people to work with RDJ, and that's how you get some of those witty lines. Like, like don't get me wrong, there's definitely scripted lines in that movie, and there's probably a good chunk of the script, but you no, know, a good chunk of the press just to let people work, just to create some like moments, like the uh, the ending line where he says, "No, I am Iron Man." Wasn't supposed to say that. That was that was completely improv. That was just one take that he just did. Um, and then you know, the, one of the biggest ones I think is Casablanca. Apparently, really? the script was going through a lot of rewrites during the movie. They had to, you know, uh. Lots of different constraints, and due to several reasons, the script was never quite completely finished. So they get it here, they get it here, they'd be like a rewrite here, they change it here. Um, but the line he's looking back, or he's looking at you, kid, that is said, I think, during the poker game, and then it's said a couple different times. It's it's in his famous like monologue, is at the very end of it. Mm-hmm. The initial in the poker scene was improv, and they liked it a lot, and they liked it that for him to continue to say it throughout the movie that they wrote it back, like they wrote it into the later script that was initially there, but it's a completely off the cuff line. That, that gets written in. So I will say that that's an improv line that later gets added. Um, and lastly, Jaws. So just to kind of hit really? it. Yes. So Jaws, everybody knows that Jaws is, um, they didn't have the shark built, right? They were filming on location and they couldn't, they didn't, when they started filming, they didn't have the shark figured out, right? So number one, they were improving how the hell they're going to do a shark. Um, but number two, a lot of the script wasn't there. They had a B-list cast, right? And they weren't sure what they're going to do. So a lot of the script was not fully fleshed out and not fully written because they weren't sure how they're going to work with the sharks. So they weren't sure what they were going to try and have the characters say. Do they? Do we need the characters to say, oh, my God, look at the shark coming at us. And then they have them say that versus having the fin come at you, right? They weren't sure how it was going to do. So a lot of Jaws was also improv. So you can see like how improvisation, we, we had an action movie in there. We had a horror movie in there. We got a thriller movie in there. And we had a couple of comedies um, all work out. But the same kind of thing, right? The people on set worked together to find their way through what was occurring. And then, you know, you get some cinematic glory. Well, and with everybody would recognize those movies. Yeah. Right. These are memorable movies. Casablanca. I didn't realize that. And that's definitely a classic black and white movie. So Mm -hmm. those 
are memorable. Those are, especially Anchorman, there's a lot of so many humorous moments that are in it, knowing that those were improvised in there as well, too, just based off that humor. And that's why if you want to take this ability to improv, this ability to yes and in your own life, you're going to improve, I think, the quality of your life and being able to have these skills. Yeah. So like we have, we have like what five things that ESN is here to help with, right? Yeah. So there's really five things that help foster teamwork, innovation, communication. These are things that could be used within your team. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, applying this into your life, it could be within your family. And you know what? People that say yes and just might be funner people to be around. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. How, do you know any no ands? Not really. Oh I yeah. Don't. No, we do. We we know plenty of no ands, and we we don't talk to the no ands. Those, those are the negative Nellies of the, of we, the world. You and I don't. We have excluded negative people out of our life. Yeah. Completely. Those are negative. We I don't wish. Do more, we don't do but, negative. But you're right. But that those type of individuals who are know everything, those they don't they don't participate. They don't contribute. Yeah. To conversations, to relationships, to things, because they think they're the only way to do that. And that's the killer of innovation as well, too. I I want to equate them to that teenager that, like, is too cool for school. It's, like, too cool to, like, go to the prom or the dancer. I was that teenager for a hot minute. And, and, and life's a lot cooler when you just kind of show up and do it. (laughs) Uh, Like, like, like just, just, just as a quick little life example, I never went to, like, homecoming or prom or anything like that until uh after i graduated and one of my friends actually got dumped like the week before prom and she didn't have anybody to go with and it kind of just popped up i was like dude i'll take you to prom like what the heck ever right like yes and i'll go to prom with you sure let's go i had a blast dude like we ended up like showing up dressed to the nine hung out with the crew and then like kind of basically split up and went hung out with everybody and just said yes and just did the whole thing um it was a great time she even said that that was like her best prom because she didn't feel like pressure to do anything with somebody else and didn't feel like, yeah, she's like, dude, it was, it was great. Um, so that, that's an example of where just saying yes and going and doing it ended up being great where I had said no for four years prior. Yeah. And you missed out. Maybe. Have you ever seen the movie? Yes, man. Yeah. Jim with, uh, Carrey. Jim Carrey. So saying, okay. Guarantee you. I, that one is not on the list of movies that I listed, but I guarantee you, Jim, Jim Carrey is a famous, like improv kind of actor. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure there's sections of yes man that are just improv but that concept really and i like how the in that inspirational speaker like mm-hmm. having people say that it does create opportunities and it almost ties right into this is is this really going to be the thing that's going to change your life in a positive way i'm not we're not giving that speech here today but no. there's a lot of advantage to saying yes to things and so really there's five things that yeah. are really going to help the, the first one Really encourages collaboration. And it very much, right? Because even so, I, I, I keep going back to theater and movies, and it, and I should try to break out of this. But like, if you think, right, if you, you hear people talk about like movies and like, yeah, dude, so like I was going to deliver, he's like, I delivered the line like this, and the director came over, and was like, hey, man, why don't you like say it like this? Why don't you do it this way, right? Saying yes and and improvising something like that allows for that collaboration. It allows for other ideas to get in there and other, you know, Having multiple voices sometimes, or a lot of the times, can be a good thing because someone eventually pipes up with the the correct answer. Right? It's like it's like taking a test with ten people versus taking a test with just one person. Can one person know all the answers? Sure. 
10 people are more likely to know all the answers than just one individual. Yeah. And I love, I really like brainstorming sessions because they, you get a lot of different ideas in. And a lot of times I, I think we, if we were into or not intuitive, but if we were specific about doing a yes and in a brainstorming situation, we would get even more mm-hmm. quality answers on it because there is something that comes out of this idea of yes and, and that's the fact that every idea is a bridge to the best idea. Mm-hmm. So you're always on that process to the best idea. And the only way to get there is that yes and. But And then it, moving like kind of moves on to the second point too, which is sparks innovation, right? Like it moves on to that best idea. It sure does. Right. And and that's and, and that's what I really like about it too. Because like collaboration and innovation kind of go hand in hand, right? I mean maybe I guess Thomas Edison did create the light bulb working kind of on his own, or at least that's how the story is told. Or did he, right? I mean, well, you know, know. you can, you can ask Nikola Tesla how he feels about Thomas Edison, but (laughs) I guess that's neither here nor there, which I guess both of them uh, had innovation without necessarily a lot of collaboration, but I would assume, uh, imagine if they collaborated together. Could you imagine if Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison got together? Oh, absolutely. We would, it would be other. a different society. Than Dude, we'd we have flying have. cars by now. Yeah. And probably Nikola Tesla might have had some money before he died like a lonely man. Yeah. So but, there you go, guys. Don't be, don't be like Nikola Tesla. Go, <laughs> go. Don't hog your ideas. Yeah. So Collaborate they do, and spark innovation. The idea is that the collaboration does spark the innovation. They do definitely tie in together. And that's why I like the idea of this yes and and being specific about it in a meeting in conversations to only have that. And, and I've never thought about that. We've had brainstorming before where we would have to train people and have them say, you can only use those words, that practice of it. Mm-hmm. I think that would bring apart, bring a bar. I think that would bring about this innovation. Yeah. And then it also does build trust in your teammates, right? Like you're sitting in a room working with these people uh, to a degree. It's almost vulnerability, right? To be able to open up and say, Hey, look, this is something that might come out of left field. This is an odd thing to say, but like, let's just give it a try. Right. To openly say that in front of a room of people, like it builds trust, right? You, you have to have trust to be able to say something like that. And um, in, in an environment where no one's allowed to say no, or you should say not allowed to, but where everybody's, you know, encouraged to say yes and, and encouraged to brainstorm and encouraged to improvise a little bit, it, it builds trust because now you know that, hey, look, uh, there, there's no such thing as a bad idea, right? Like we're all just here to do the same thing. And I can trust that these people are going to get me to the correct answer and I'm not going to, you know, be ridiculed for something that I said that could have been wrong. Yeah. And one of the keys to building trust is letting people be heard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely what this statement does is, is acknowledges. And in some ways you're, you're yes. Anding what they said, maybe you're building upon it. Maybe you're repeating what they said, but if you're allowing people to be heard, that is probably one of the key trust builders that yeah. you could do out there. It's like allow someone to open up and allow someone to like make sure that they feel appreciated and that their voices are, and that just builds trust. Right. And that's kind of, that's also a management style too. I will say that. Um, I like to, the people that I like, I manage and the people that I work with, I tend to try to build a relationship with them before I really like critique them or like, you know, coach them or something along those lines. Right. Like I, I want to get to know you first. So that way I can kind of figure out what makes you tick. And I want, like, I'm going to be open with you. You can be open with me and then we can go forward and like kind of do the job. Well, that's a great point because in a managing position, you want to build trust right away, first impressions. Mm -hmm. And to do that, to let that person be heard immediately does open you up to other levels of management and evaluations and stuff like that. You don't want to break that by not listening to them. Nobody wants to walk into a manager who tells them exactly how to do it and get the heck out of my office. Nobody wants to work for that person. But it just, I was like, you don't want the title to dictate your position, right? It should, uh, a title is one thing, but like 
the way you carry yourself should kind of dictate your position. You should be able to, like, if you're a manager, you should kind of own what you do, not because you have the title, but because you, like, walk around. And, like, like if I'm walking through a job site, right, I could probably spot the foreman or the guy that's in charge over the ones that are not in charge just based on the way that they're walking and just based on the way that they're acting. I don't need, I don't need like the manager logo on there. And if you probably need the manager logo, then you might not be a great manager. You might, or the mug that says yeah. I'm a great dad or yeah. I'm the best boss in the world. Right. Yeah. Like you probably don't like just based on the way that you're walking and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that comes from building trust with the people that you work with. Um, and you build that trust by talking and openly communicating with them. Well, and that's exactly number four is this enhances communication. Then it goes back to what we were talking about before. Is it really to do the yes and you can't be sitting there planning what you're going to tell that person next. You've got to be listening to them. You have to listen to what they're saying to be able to say yes. And this is, is additive too. And that's just a great practice in general for communication to be a good communicator. Anything during a negotiation, being able to say yes and really helps both sides come to a better understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo any of this either. Uh, there's good improv and there's bad improv. We've seen both. Even within, like, again, same thing. You watch Who's On Is Dead anyway, right? What, 30, 45 minute long episode? And 25 of the 30 minutes, or 25 of like the 45 minutes are great and the other section is not as great. There's good improv, there's bad improv. There's good communication, there's bad communication. But what's also important is that you don't just shut down, I won't say the bad communication, right? But like if someone's coming to you and like, or like when you have a meeting and someone starts kind of like hopping down the rabbit hole, right? They're just trying to be open. They're just trying to talk. They're just trying to get their ideas out there. You don't want to shut them down right away. You do want them to talk, but not every time is the rabbit hole or is the communication going to be spectacular, but you should create that environment where they feel okay to do so. And yes, ending and the improv style is a way that that can help. I would agree. But one of those things where you're talking about that rabbit hole as well, too, I think that's a different discussion in regards to facilitating, to be able to facilitate effectively and to be able to have somebody feel heard. But you also have to think about the whole group. And you're right. A lot of people go down that rabbit hole, things that were not intended for that specific conversation. Maybe they needed to go down that yes and idea, but there, there's a point where you've got to facilitate that. And so that's probably a, a different conversation, which really goes into our last point is it increases adaptability, which is kind of what we were just talking about as well, too. Being adaptable to know that, you know, these, you have to be flexible. You have to be able to to not go in with a set. This is the way it's going to go, but you want to find the best answer out of all of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, let's pretend that you had an idea going forward and everybody's like, yep, let's go with it. And then something doesn't pan out the way you wanted it to, right? Cool. So either A, you can come up with an action and then you can like implement that action or B, you can go back to kind of the drawing board. And if one of your coworkers or whatever that maybe doesn't have the same authority, you do pipes up and says something is like, hey, it's like, well, maybe that's a great idea, right? Great. Let's adapt and let's go forth and do it. Um, and you want to create an environment where you can do that and you want to be open enough that you're willing to either A, not necessarily take a critique, but like be open enough to if it, even if it's not your idea to go and do it. Right. Not everything has to be your idea. It can be okay that, you know, the, the newbie comes in here and has a spent, you know, and fixes the project in two seconds. Like that's okay. Um, even if the newbie, it doesn't have the same title you do that it, it builds adaptability and adaptability creates creativity and the creativity, you know, gets the job done. Yeah. And I think a lot of ideas are lost because there is that positional thing you were talking about. And if you really go in with the approach of yes, and, and listening to them, maybe their, all of their uh, story is garbage. 
but you can listen to it. You can acknowledge it. But on the other side, you can't go in with ego either. And you have to know that maybe those are, that's where a lot of the spark of new ideas are going to come from. But back to the point of every idea is a bridge to the best idea. Mm -hmm. Like they could be a portion of what was said and you can take that additive to your concepts and the other ones that are spoken about through this yes and and really come to the best the best idea that you could possibly mm-hmm. compile together. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and it isn't very, very similar with when you get up there on the improv stage, you look at somebody and someone says something and you just got to say yes. And then you end up somewhere else and you just got to, you just hold on. You trust that person. Like, all right, look, I got 60 seconds of this. Let's get it done. And then you, and then the other person's looking at you thinking the same thing. I got 60 seconds. Let's get this done. And I think you're seeing a lot of this concept go into sales. Like the, this is initially where I read, a book that was called Ditch the Pitch, and that Ditch the Pitch talks about that, which is specifically about sales. But you're finding also corporate retreats that are going in and doing these type of improv to really build relationship, build trust amongst their teams as well, too, because the concept, I believe, is a positive concept. And I think that's why people are are willing to grow from it. Well, yeah, and especially in sales, you want things to feel natural, right? Because not every sale is going to be the same and not everybody's going to react to this, right? They say ditch the pitch, but I'm sure because number one, the same pitches are going to work on everybody else. And authenticity matters nowadays. Um, it you, does. No one wants the greasy salesman. Uh, the one with the polished speech that comes in and says all the right things and has it. No one wants that. Someone wants to, like you want someone that's going to sit down and like kind of give you the little, it's like a, the, the influencers that are on Instagram and TikTok and whatnot, like they review the products you magically trust them because you think they're authentic and or issues that you think they're authentic because they come across authentic and they come across as like an everybody that you like know, or like they come across as your best friend. That's the kind of sales pitch that's been working these days, as opposed to the ones like, come get the, you know, the, the sham wow commercial doesn't work like it used to. That's it, like a pot like that. That one's like the polished grease salesman kind of thing. And it worked. It worked for a while, but I would while. agree. And, Cause what you hear a lot is be your authentic self. I mm-hmm. hear that a lot. And this goes going beyond sales. We've all been around people who you think they're just full of baloney on everything that they do. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I think we are more sensitive to the idea of somebody being authentic and true. And that's probably where some of that vulnerability comes in, where we talk about vulnerability. That is that culture that is really starting to make its move, I think, throughout our society is the idea that that's okay. And in doing that, you are being your authentic self. And when you're being your authentic self, then you are freeing up yourself to be who you're intended to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So what were the five things again, James? All right. Let's, uh, the first one is encouraging collaboration. Dope. Number two, sparks innovation. Fantastic. Number three, builds trust. Wonderful. Number four, enhances communication. Let's make that happen. And then the fifth one, increase adaptability. Those are five things that this yes and is going to bring into your life, into your work, into your family, into your relationships. A little bit of improvisation goes a long way. What do you think is the UC moment for today? I I think I told you that like life is improv. So why, why would we try to eliminate that? Or, you know, we're just making it up as we go along anyway. I don't think I can add any to that. Or, you're right. If you're gonna, if life is improv, why don't you be good at it? Yeah, like why, right? why not just work on it? Why are you working off a script? Just be yourself. Yeah, I was like, dude, I'm making this up as I go along. Are you? Like, did you have this planned out for a while? I did not. So, but that's a great point. So, life is improv. Be yourself. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's all I got. That's all I got. See, See you. Bye. bye.